You are connected, and you are listening to Specifically for Seniors, the podcast for those in the Remember When generation. Today's podcast is available everywhere you listen to podcasts and with video at Specifically for Seniors YouTube channel. Now, here's your host, Dr. Larry Barsh. I ask every uh, guest who visits on specifically for seniors to fill out a guest mm-hmm. registration form. Oh, this gives me enough information yeah. to do a decent introduction and and maybe a way to f- start a conversation. Yeah, I love that. So here's what you told me. One, my name is Matt Fear. Right so yeah. far? So so far, uh, one for one. You're batting a hundred. Okay, uh, well done. Number two, <laughs> uh-huh. I love improv. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. number three, that goes that goes back and forth. It's kind of a, you know, like anything that you do, uh, you start doing as a passion, and then you start doing for a living. You know, it has its ups and its downs. And number three, mm-hmm. you love ice cream sandwiches. Oh my god. So there's no other way to start a conversation. What is it specifically you love about ice cream sandwiches? The shape, the cookies, the ice cream? I mean, Larry, yes. Uh, all, All of those things, I feel, make inherently a good ice cream sandwich. Uh, uh, I feel like there's the classic, right? You've got the, the, when you think classic ice cream sandwich, we're thinking the same thing, right? We're thinking those like rectangular shaped things with the chocolate wafer, right? Vanilla ice cream and chocolate wafer, right? You get it at, uh, you know, you had it when you were a kid. I don't care, you know, I don't care what generation you are. You had it as a kid. Like ice cream sandwiches have been around, I believe, since the Bible. Or 1899, either, whichever came first. Yeah, well, if you're if you're Mormon, that is the Bible. <laughs> and um, but but there, then there's like, you know, like everything now, they've just made it better. So now there's like you can get like. There's a food truck in Boston you can go and uh, you can choose the kind of cookie you want and you can choose the kind of ice cream you'd like. Okay, so, you know, (laughs) that's what I've got for background. And uh, (laughs) I did not do a good job of filling out the survey. I'm sorry, Larry. Now what do Uh, we do? Uh, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Who and what is Matt Fear? Who and what is Matt Fear? Um, that's a. I'm 47 years old and I'm still trying to figure that out, Larry. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm a first time dad. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a first time uh, uh, homeowner. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to make my way through the world, uh, and I've I've stumbled upon something I can do, that is not like a normal job, right? Like I've, I've, I kind of threw away the, 
uh, option of doing like a, um, like just having a regular nine to five so I could do improv for a living. So I could figure out how to do improv for a living. And thankfully my wife is very supportive and she has a stable, uh, job. Um, and she supports my, 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 uh, artistic endeavors, I guess. Um, but you know, bringing improv to people is important to me and it's, it's become more and more important to me as you know, uh, uh, these last, these last few years, especially now that I have a daughter, right. I'm bringing like trying to bring laughter into a world that she's going to inherit, you know, you know, speaking of your daughter, uh, I took your improv course. You did. And that's uh, how we met. That's how we met Larry. And tell the people, tell the people what they want to know. One of the games you use is to answer a question with a question. Mm -hmm. Now, when your daughter asks you a question, (laughs) uh, huh. Do you answer her with a question? Sometimes, like if I'm if I'm practicing, I use my daughter for improv practice all the time. Like she because she's I can say anything to her and she's like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. So I make up song like I sing songs to her that like I'm just making up about things that we're doing and I'm, you know, I'm trying to be like, okay, this is what I would do in an improv show. So, uh, let's, let's work the, let's work the muscle a little bit. Um, and she loves that. She loves, she loves to sing with dad. And then, yeah, I just talk to her like a person. <laughs> it's the best thing to do for a two-year-old is to just talk to them like they're a, like they're a grown, like they're a grown person already. And just, you know, have, have conversations with yourself. Did you always want to be in theater? Um, yeah, I did. I didn't. Yeah, I I remember in junior high um, doing like like a reading of a play or something like it was just something like we were doing as a class where we were holding our scripts and whatever. And I really wanted to like I was like, oh, I want to be the lead. I want to be the, the like and I wasn't and I was heartbroken. Uh, and I said, I'll show them. Uh, no, I, I just always wanted to do it, you know, and then I, I got I got into a, um, I got into the musicals at my high school. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I grew up in a very small, t- like a very small community. Like uh, the town I grew up in was thirty one hundred people. Uh, it's in this it's in Illinois. Uh, the town is. Um, or excuse me, the county I grew up in is the is the largest county in the state, with the smallest population. So it's all it's all farmland. Uh, uh, if you ever get a chance to read a book called Across Five Aprils, um, it's about uh, the Civil War, and it takes place in Jasper County. I was forced to read it many times when I was a kid because you know it's like hey. There's not much local history. Here you go. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so at my high school didn't do much in the way of um, we did one musical a year, but we also had band and choir. So I did both of those and my choir director did the musicals and she she was she was very much a, uh, a very brash and brazen woman. Uh, and she inspired me a lot and really kind of pushed me and you know, 
I, I took voice lessons from her and we did, you know, she was like, you're doing the musicals. If I'm working this hard with you and you're doing these musicals. So I just, and I just kind of got bit by it. And then when I got to college, it was over. I was like, oh, I can just be in theater all the time and not really do classes. Sure. <laughs> and that's why I was in college for six years. What, what, you sort of uh, improved your courses. Oh my God, Larry, that's a whole nother podcast is me talking about my college experience. Uh, uh, I, I had a great time in college. I was not a great, I was not a great college student. I wasn't a good student at all. You know, why, why improv as opposed to theater, stand up scripts, sets? Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. I love. I love what we would call the quote unquote legitimate theater. Uh, uh, love it, love it, love it. Um, I haven't done it in a while because it's, that's one of those things like it's, it's hard to get into if you're not like, you have to like, you know, really, really put in the work. If you want to be a working, a working like actor, actor, like it, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a, what is it? Um, what's the union that they have um sag actor. yeah do you want to be a sag like i know a lot of sag actors and um uh the stage union um equity actors equity that's what it's called thank you sorry don't don't hate me friends um like they that's a lot of that's a lot of work um improv just kind of like i i found that i could do it i found that it was like it's very accessible to me. I don't have to memorize lines, which is great. Um, I just kind of have to like know what it all means in my head. And I, and I do, and I've done it so much that it, it just kind of sticks. And, you know, I know when I go into a, a workshop, I know, I know what I'm doing. I, I know what the workshop is. I know who the people are and I know how improv is going to help them. Um, because it's pretty standard across the board. Um, so it's just, it just kind of, was the path of kind of least resistance, I guess. Um, but I'm getting back into theater a little bit. I'm directing, uh, I started a new job as a um, high school drama instructor, not instructor, but like a, like a, um, I'm the director of the club. They have a drama club. They don't have a drama class at a local uh, high school. That's about five minutes from my house. Um, it's great. We're doing The Lightning Thief which is a per the Percy Jackson musical. It's all uh, Olympians and gods and goddesses and mythology. And it's pretty fun. And you're also lead producer of Improv Boston. Yep. And an improv, improv instructor Boston. there as well. Yep. You, I've been you, teaching you, improv for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. I had to look it up on LinkedIn. That's how much, yeah. that's how much background work I did on you. See, Larry, I knew you'd do the work, so I didn't have to. Yeah, I did a whole, uh, I did a whole line. Right. Yeah, there. your your listeners, your watcher, your viewers are, are going to be like, who who is this guy? <laughs> so so tell me more about being lead producer of Improv Boston. What's Improv Boston? Well, Improv Boston's a forty year old um, improv theater based in uh, Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, of all places. Um, and uh, uh, it was in Inman Square for a while. 
um, and then it moved to Central Square. And I came into Improv Boston back in 2014 and uh, uh, immediately started taking classes and uh, went through all the went through all the classes. I believe it was a seven level course, uh, like seven level program. Uh, and each class is like eight weeks. Um, and I went up through the ranks. I, I worked as an intern. I was a, I was a 37 year old intern, Larry. Uh, I had bosses that were 22 uh, and fresh out of college or sometimes what a couple still in college uh, that were my that were my bosses as uh, as an intern. I felt like uh, Robert De Niro in that movie uh, that he did with Anne Hathaway, where he is a plays an intern uh, to her. Uh, but uh I became a house manager and kind of worked my way up. I got on the touring company and started doing um, out gigs and shows. And then, um, and then the pandemic hit and everything shut down and we lost our space. Um, we lo I lost countless amount of work, <laughs> you know? And then um, once we kind of started on the upswing uh, after the, the worst of it was over um, and we started coming back uh, out of our, out of our shells a little bit. Um, they were like, Matt, would you like to, would you like to like help Improv Boston come out of the pandemic? And I'm like, sure, let's give it a, let's give it a go. So we're, you know, uh, just trying to make our way now <laughs> you know but we still have classes we still um we have a comedy school uh which i'm now in charge of since uh, uh that's a little nugget you don't have uh, off of linkedin i just got that gig and haven't updated my linkedin yet so uh there you go uh i'm i'm lead producer and managing of the comedy school so i uh manage about uh seven or eight instructors that that do classes uh like four nights a week Okay, for, for personal uh, information, mm -hmm. I have a granddaughter. Yeah. Who did her first stand-up set uh, just out of the blue, and she's planning to do more. What advice do you have for her? Oh, man, keep doing it. Like, if, it's, if you can do it and you're into it and you're excited about it, keep doing it because it gets easier the more you do it, right? Like, I don't do stand-up. I mean, I did, I, I've done stand-up before, um, but that being alone on stage and having to have it be like material that I know that I've written and like worked on and having that much judgment come at me from an audience, like when you do improv, they like the, the audience knows you're making it up. So they are like, okay, sure. Anything you say I'm into, right? But when you... If you're doing stand-up, the audience is like, well, they wrote that. They thought about that, and that's what they came up with? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so if your granddaughter is into it and has already done one open mic and wants to do another one, ride that momentum as, as long as you can. Like, keep going and know that it's going to suck for a while. But that's okay because it gets, like, it does get better. Like, once you once you hit it, it's great. Uh, it's those nights that you miss that make it hard to do all the time, you know? You, you mentioned before uh, 
I think you said something about the importance uh, of improv uh, yeah. and why people should learn how to improvise off the cuff. Well, I think it makes us better. It just makes us better communicators, right? Like improv is about being kind of in the moment and, and, uh, you know, living in the present. And, um, I feel like if, if people would do that with each other more, they would, they would listen better to each other and, and maybe, you know, communicate, communication wouldn't break down as, as quickly as it does sometimes, you know, if, if people would just listen, re, listen, respond, react, right. Which is what we, we tell people to do in improv scenes, just take a breath and, and, and go with it and accept what the, what, accept the ideas that are being handed to you and then add your own stuff to them. You know, it's just a true form of collaboration. And I feel like, you know, collaborations where it's at, why do a project by myself when I can work with other amazing people? And then we're all proud of what we did. And then I have people to share it with when we're done. Right. It's not just me sitting in a room going, yes, I did that. <laughs> I'm amazing. That's that can, that can get lonely. So how do we do that on a podcast? How do we do it on a podcast? We're do we're doing it right now, Larry. We're, we're living in the moment where we're, we're Two guys having a conversation. Uh, this is great. Um, that sort of ended the conversation. Yeah, that did, didn't it? Once I called it out. Yeah. Great, great job, Matt. Great uh, job. All right, I'm just going to have some coffee, and we'll go on. Uh, yeah, let's just have some coffee. What kind of coffee? Uh, what's your? Let me interview you for a second, uh, Larry. What kind of coffee do you like to drink? Brown. Brown. Yeah, it's. Uh, are you just? Uh, are you a straight? Are you a straight shooter when it comes to coffee? Like, put it in the cup, nothing else. Yeah, well, that happened when I was interning, mm. uh, because I was working the ER for a year, and the coffee condiments. Uh, one looked like an oil slick, uh, you know, on a, a boat that had capsized somewhere. Yeah. And the sugar moved. <laughs> condiments can like condiments are either that's the true I think um, tell of a classy joint is if they're if is if they're like sweeteners and creams and everything are, are all like it's clean and nice and I feel good about putting things in my coffee. Right. And, and but I've definitely seen that. And not where the uh, milk products expired several centuries earlier. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've definitely, I've definitely been, I've definitely been there. That's actually been my fridge. Uh, I remember clearing out, you know, we've all done that, right? Where we clean out our fridge and we're like, hey, I haven't used this mustard in 12 years. <laughs> I I recently I haven't even lived here for 12 years, Larry. Where did the mustard come from? That's the question. You brought it from the last place, obviously. I, brought, <laughs> I obviously just like when you pack, you just put you just throw stuff in a box. You don't actually like I don't know. My wife is very different. When I pack, I, I do. I just take everything and just shove it into a box and then go and then sort it out later. She sorts it now and then it makes it a lot easier to unpack. 
Do you have a brand of coffee that you go for? Sorry, I'm still on coffee. I'm a big. I was a barista for a while, so coffee is kind of my thing. Okay. I enjoy it. Oh, you want to talk coffee? Uh, I have been tempted to try Death Wish coffee. You know what? I see ads for them all the time. I don't. Uh, do you have a sponsorship for them? Do they sponsor your your podcast? Because then you could get free Death Wish coffee. Well, let's find out. Yeah. Hey, hey just Death say their Wish. Name and Hey, Deathwish, uh, if you're listening, we yeah. can arrange a sponsorship program that will fill all your needs. All your needs. And it will probably add, oh, one or two people yeah. to your subscriber list. I, uh, you're from Canton, right? You live in, you live in Canton now, now right? I don't yeah. Know. Now. Um, have you had Red Barn Coffee? No. Uh, that is a coffee you should try. Like if we're talking, that's a low, it's a local, uh, it's a local um, brand that I used to work for. Um, and they're, uh, I live in Upton now, my wife and I and, and baby just moved to Upton. And this is where their, their roastery is in Hopkinton, which is just the town next to us. So I feel good like plugging them on your podcast because it, like it's coffee that people could get. Um, and they're really cool. And they're a nice like mom and pop, shop that started a, a long time ago literally out of a red barn and now they're red barn coffee so you know this area i a little bit not a lot i mean i've lived i've lived i've, I've lived only lived in the massachusetts for almost like just over 10 years i moved here in 24 almost 10 years yeah 2014. I'm from the Boston area my whole life. I still don't know where. You, okay. I still don't know where Canton is. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. One of those towns. They tell me it's next to Stoughton, which doesn't help at all. Like what? Yeah. What's that do? There, there are fifty towns out here that are within five miles of each other. All of them. Like they're all. That's one thing I really like about this area is that is that literally you can drive. 10 minutes in any direction and you hit a different town, you can hit a different town. Uh, and it's, and it's cool. They've all got stuff in them. Um, and it's, it's really a nice little new England, new England experience. You know, fall is the best time in new England and we're coming out of it. You know, like the trees are naked now. Um, so it's not as pretty when I look out of my window, but it's still not like New England in the fall and winter is, is when we shine, I think. We older adults prefer you don't use the term fall. <laughs> uh, I mean, autumn, autumn would be more Apologies. appropriate. Autumn. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's just a little touchy yeah. sort as of thing. As long as you don't say autumn years, because that's, that's also a, a, you don't want to say that either. Yeah, and you don't want to listen right. to the September song very much either. No, it's no. Not. No, autumnal. I like the word autumnal. I think that's an interesting, like, uh, use of, of, you know, the, the word autumnal. I just like that. What's it like getting up in front of a crowd? I'm beginning to learn in front of one person with mm -hmm. no script, <laughs> no idea where you're going. When, when I do a usual podcast, I have it mm -hmm. pretty well outlined. Yeah. Uh, but this is improv. Now, see, Larry, we're improvising. We're 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 just have yeah. See, this is great. It it all comes together. We don't have the hecklers though. We need hecklers. No. I tell you what, Larry. I've had 
like people need to know that they can't just talk to people on stage. <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world. It is like you just like you you lose your momentum and you're just like okay, well I guess we're doing this now. You know? Um mm. You were saying how, how, you were asking a question. What was the question? Something about the uh, how how do I do it? How do you how do you go out on stage and do it? Yeah, how do you go out on stage and do it? Do you, do you, do you start with a concept or or uh... it? So what we teach in our classes is we teach you like having a tool. It's like having a tool belt. Okay, so um, you're familiar with Batman, yeah. Are you are you are you a fan of Batman? Big fan of Batman. Big fan of Batman. Me too. Um, and Batman Rob, has Robin, his, not so much. Well, Robin can you know there were so many of of him. Uh, there were you know they all died and a different one came in. It's very the Robin character very tragic. But uh, uh, Batman specifically, he has his tool belt. He has his utility belt, and he's always got something like he knows where to where to go to grab whatever the shark repellent or the 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 batarang or the grappling hook or whatever right so if you think about that in terms of improv like when you take improv classes and you start like just doing improv you start getting little tricks that you put in your utility belt you start getting moves and um like ideas and concepts and different things that you can do in an improv show, you have different things that you can all put in your in that utility belt. So then when you go out on stage, like, yeah, you don't have anything planned. Like you don't have anything as far as like character ideas or plot or like jokes or anything like that. That's all the stuff that you make up. But everything else like moves and ideas and concepts and things like that, you have so much of that already, right? So you're not going out empty-handed. You've got you've got all these things that you know that you can pull from, right? It's like, oh, I know I can do crazy characters. So I know if I if I hunch my back a little bit and do it in a voice, I have a character and I can do whatever I want now. Uh, I can be whoever I want now, but this is the main part of it. So, all right, a serious question. I, I will give you a serious answer. All right. What was Batman's favorite ice cream sandwich? Um, that is a great question. Uh, I believe it was uh, double Gotham fudge. And uh, how did he order it? He usually ordered it like the bat signal would go out and there were the, 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 they would just hold the bag out and he would drive by in the back car and just grab it. They'd have it ready for him. They, it, Cause he had to have it whenever he would go out on a, on a mission. Like when he'd come back, you know, it's like when you leave, when you're done with the show or you've just had a surgery, you know, you just had a surgery and you want to go have a, have a beer with your friends down at the surgeon's pub. That's a stretch. Right. That <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't seem to go. I lost steam about I lost steam about halfway through that. I was like, Yeah, that know. one didn't go. Larry's like, maybe we won't put this one out. Maybe this will be one of those podcasts that I just kind of tuck away into a corner and 
I'll, I'll replay the one where I uh, interviewed someone more important. Uh, like who? I don't know. Uh, who, who are some of the people you've had on your show? Have you had any famous people on your show? Well, I've got one now. Oh, I've got the, you, I've got you the, flatterer. Yeah, I've got the, uh, wait a minute, lead producer of Improv Boston, even if I had to look that up. And also the, uh, the drama instructor at the, at, at Nipmuc Regional High School in, in Upton, Massachusetts. See, uh, my accolades are far and vast. How do, how do we get people involved in improv? How do, how do we get people to relax uh, uh, to do stuff like this. Did we screw up? Yeah, maybe. But uh, how, do, how do we get people interacting and relaxing? I know the course I took with you was way, way, way too short. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Four lessons and you just begin to relax a little bit. You yeah. just be, oh, that's what I can say. Yeah. And it's all right if I say it in front of this group of people mm -hmm. that I didn't think would accept that kind of sort of off-color comment. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, our classes are eight weeks. Like our, our regular classes at Improv Austin are eight weeks long. And I feel like even those can be a little on the short side. Um, I'm teaching a level two class right now. And, uh, uh, we've got our last classes this coming Monday. And I'm like, I'm a little bummed out about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, these guys are really like, I'm just starting to get, get in the groove with these, with these, with these folks. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, one thing that people do uh, when they take our classes is they, they find a group that they like to perform with, or they like to like learn with. And then they'll go off and start practicing on their own outside of class. And then they bring in somebody like me that was like their instructor a couple sessions ago. And I have some free time. They have a night that they want to do a rehearsal and then I'll come in and coach them. Right. So I do that with a group right now. And I've been with them for, a little over a year, I think. And like, I still see things that they grow. Like, it's like, there's no definitive time frame. Like, yeah, you can get it and, and get ideas and like form connections in a workshop. If you're, if you're zoned in, right? Like it could be a four hour workshop and you could get as much out of it as you could in eight week class. But it's really just doing it over and over again with the same people, people that you like doing improv with. And then it, it gets so much it gets so much easier. So it's really the advice I would give to people that are like maybe like, I don't want I don't want to like I'm nervous about it. It's like an improv class is the least judgmental place you will ever be in your entire life. Like it is you walk in to an improv class and it's like everybody there is just as scared as you especially if it's an if it's a beginning improv class everybody is just as scared as you they don't know what the heck's going on either right and you just have to you just have to breathe through it and settle in 
and realize that nobody's going to judge you. You can literally say anything. Now, that being said, when I say literally say anything, right, like within reason, within the social contract, right, uh, uh, don't be, you know, don't be a jerk. Don't be a bigot, (laughs) you know, like we don't ask a lot of people, right? We just ask that people respect other people and that people aren't jerks. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty easy. Um, and that develops that kind of um, camaraderie. Uh, camaraderie and environment. It's like an environment. It's a safe, I, you know, you, you hear the word safe space, right? It creates that safe space that people can take creative risks and improv is about taking creative risks. Um, because yeah, you're getting up there with no parachute. You're just getting up there. Uh, uh, and that's, that's terrifying. Plain and simple. Yeah. I hosted a live radio show at one time, mm-hmm. two hours on a Sunday morning at yeah. 7am when, you know, been there, Larry. both, yeah, both people listened, um, my son described it. My son was a TV director for a while. Uh-huh. And um, he described it as like being on top of a hill in a car with no brakes. The only uh-huh. thing you had was the steering wheel. And there was nothing you could do about it. I worked in radio for a while. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, know, that, I know that feeling all too well. I used to do a, uh, I used to work at a country music radio station um, in Mattoon, Illinois. WMCI was the, uh, were were the call letters. I still remember that. Yeah. WMCI. And um, every Sunday morning from, I think, five or maybe like four to six, there was a show called Country Memories. And I had to go get a special stack of CDs. They all had the go- they all had a gold cover on them because they were sent to the radio station, you know. And these were like the old like Waylon Jennings, uh, Tammy Wynette, like uh, Conway Twitty, Hank Williams, uh, like all the like the like early Johnny Cash, early uh, you know early everybody, you know. Uh, and there was always one woman that would call every Sunday and request the same song. She wanted me to play it every Sunday. And I did every time she'd call. I don't remember her name now, but I knew her. Like I, I waited for her call and she would call and she'd be like, hi, Matt. And I'd be like, hi, you ready for your song? She's like, yep, I'm ready. I'm like, okay, it'll be coming up in the next song or two. She's like, thank you. I would never play it until she called, but I'd have it on deck, ready to go. This, this mine was filling in for a radio call-in doc. Oh wow! So you were taking calls on WBZ radio in Boston. This is like big, yeah. No, that well Sunday morning, like not a small so, town radio. Yeah, yeah it's Sunday morning. It it reached out to Chicago to get a a listener. Uh, hey. That means you're that means you're national. Oh, yeah, I twenty six bucks. Twenty six bucks. You're the 
I should be interviewing you. You're, you've got a way more interesting life than I. <laughs> uh, I had one caller. Uh, we were doing a show. I'm a dentist. So mm-hmm. was, I was playing uh, I Am Your Dentist as the lead-in from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Which... I love that. Oh, I love that show so much, Larry. That is one of my favorite shows. Oh, my goodness. Now, see... That's He's a good boy. That's it. That's improv right there. Now, usually, I'd cut that out. Just leave but it. But I'm leaving it because he saw a friend of his outside, and uh, he's yeah. been pretty good so far. Anyhow, I had one guy yeah. call in. We were talking about dentistry's role in snoring and sleep apnea. Mm. And this guy wanted help because his cellmate was ready to kill him because he snored. So he was a. You got a call from the Department of Correction. Yeah, I, I accepted charges because nobody else was calling that morning. Why not? Right? Hey, it wasn't your money. It was the radio station's money. Look, another another seventy three cents. Shot to hell. Um, it, it it was it was sort of fun. I had a friend of mine come in and fill in because two hours is too long to talk about That's a anything. Lot. Uh, and he showed up in a shirt tie suit. And I said, what about the concept of radio? Do you not understand? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? That's one thing I loved about radio so much is I could just, I could just stroll in wearing anything I wanted. I worked the overnight shift. So I was the overnight DJ. So I, my, I didn't start until midnight and I went until like six or seven, whenever the next person came in. Uh, so if they were late, I stayed. Uh, uh, and usually they were late. <laughs> I've had to call, I had to call and wake them up a few times while I was there. And I was so mad. Um, I got snowed in at the, have you ever been snowed in at a radio station? No, this was, this was just a part time. Oh, yeah. No, I got snowed in at a radio station once. I, I didn't get, well, people got snowed out of the radio station, and I was the only one that agreed to have someone come and pick them up and take them to the radio station to live there until <laughs> they could get somebody else uh, uh, in. Uh, back in my back in my college days, I was like, sure, I'll go stay at the radio station for upwards of, you know, 28 hours. <laughs> I always wanted. Good, good I always wanted to be a DJ. It was fun. When I was it was a fun. Kid. Yeah, it wasn't like like. I I worked at one station that was CDs, like you know, playing the you know. Uh, uh, I'd have to. I had three CD players, and I'd have to cue them up and hit play at after each song. Um, but then the the uh, the main radio station I worked at was a. Um, was one that it was all computerized. It was all, um, you know, I just hit a button and it would like, I could walk away and leave the building and go wherever I wanted to and come back and the radio station would still be running. <laughs> I just had to be there, like you know, so, you know, I, I would have, I would have, we'd have, I have friends over, we'd sit and play cards. It was working on an overnight shift. We'd sit and play cards in the studio and like, guys, I got to go record the weather. I'll be right back. You know, yeah, I, that was it. I had we were doing it during the uh, Gulf War, so we oh, had all wow. the cut-ins and uh, yeah, 
and uh, but I got to read commercials. Speaking of commercials, let's do yeah. a plug for Improv Boston. Let's, let's do a plug for Improv Boston. Uh, yeah, check us out, improvboston.com. Uh, we have classes in, in sketch, stand-up, um, improv, musical improv. So yeah, even if you don't want to do improv, if you'd rather do sketch, uh, if you're if you if you fancy yourself a little bit of a playwright, uh, you could uh, come and, and take a sketch class. We have a we have a really great sketch instructor. His name is Michael Trainer, and he has some absolutely hilarious things that he's put up on the internet. He's uh, very very funny man, uh, and he teaches a good sketch class. He's also a really nice guy. So. Uh, uh, so that's a that's a fun class. Um, stand up classes are always fun. Uh, we have three amazing stand up instructors at Improv Boston that are all gifted, gifted stand ups. Um, one, uh, I mean, and they're they're pretty like they work a lot around this around the area. So um, they're all just really really fun people. And uh, with our stand up classes, you basically work and you develop a five minute set. And then uh, at the end of the class, they do a showcase uh, where they can invite family and friends and uh, they can, they, everybody does their set. And, uh, you know, you meet friends, you go to open mics together, all kinds of, all kinds of good stuff. So, you know, if you're looking for like a, like a group, like if you're looking to meet new people, what better place to meet new people than an improv class, right? You could, uh, uh, People have, have met, and I know people that have met their future spouse uh, in an improv class um, or met your, you can meet your new best friend. I mean, that's a good plug right there. Meet your new best friend, Improv Boston. You use the word plurite? Did I use the word what? Plurite. Plurite? What, no, what was the word you used? Uh if you're a playwright, uh, oh, playwright, playwright, oh, playwright, I just, playwright. I said playwright, yeah. Playwright, I understand. Playwright, yeah. I just said it weird because sometimes I pronounce words like that because I hear it pronounced somewhere else like that, and I think it's funny, so I will say it like that. Makes what, no sense. What? <laughs> sort of like this whole podcast. <laughs> well, it's specifically for seniors. Yeah. I love your. I love the title. It is impossible to say, and even more impossible to type. The well, words that to yourself, Larry. The word specifically is just awful. Specifically is a hard word, it's, and you it, put it in big letters, just right there. It doesn't type well. No, what did, what did we miss? Is there anything we should cover? Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, Let's talk about, you talked about um, Little Shop. You talked about musicals. I'm a musical guy. Uh, what are your favorite, uh, do you have any favorite musicals? Are you a musical guy? Do you like, do you like musicals outside of that little stint into Little Shop of Horrors? Uh, yeah, we, we lucked out. We got to see some really good original musicals. Um, Camelot with Julie Andrews, uh, Robert... Uh, uh, wow. So you saw Julie Andrews on Broadway. Yeah. Julie, uh, Richard, uh, I can, who was Burton, Richard Burton and Robert Goulet. We, what? 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we got uh, we got to see the producers not with the original cast, however. I saw producers on Broadway as well, and it was the guy the guy playing Max was the guy that played the um, the playwright uh, uh, Hans Liebkin uh, in the original cast. He was Hans Liebkin or Franz Liebkin. Uh, but now he was playing when we when I saw it, he was playing Max. So he had been he had been promoted. It was it was one of those shows where we were standing outside waiting to see if they had any tickets. And uh, the woman came out and said, is there a two out here? And we said, yeah. She said, would you like seventh row center orchestra? So, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. How much did you pay for those? If you don't mind me asking. It was. I have no recollection, but it was not a big deal. Really? I think it was like 75 bucks. It was a matinee. Uh, I tell you what, theater is so kind of like, I'm hoping it gets better and it might be on the upswing of this, but it's so inaccessible for people that can't afford to, like they're doing in Worcester, uh, Matt, which is like half an hour. From, I'm actually a little bit closer to Worcester than I am to Boston. Where I, current, where I currently live. They're doing Beetlejuice. Uh, great show. Really fun. Uh, I looked at ticket prices. $500 for a ticket. $500. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who's... Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not as successful as I think I am. Uh, if I don't have just $500 laying around to go see a, yeah. a, a show in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, not, not saying anything about Worcester. Worcester is a great town. The Hanover is a wonderful theater, but $500. And you can see the original on TV. <laughs> I'll watch Michael Keaton for free. Speaking of Michael Keaton, the best Batman there was. Uh, okay, sure. And I'm sticking by that. I agree. Michael Keaton, no, Michael Keaton, yes. Uh, uh, I've got a controversial opinion, if if you'll hear me out. Uh, as long as you don't say Ben Affleck. No, no. Uh, ben Affleck was a mediocre Batman at best. Uh, uh, I will say this. Uh, Michael Keaton, 100%, he is my Batman. A close second, though, Val Kilmer. I enjoyed Val Kilmer's Batman. Uh, Batman Return or Batman Forever, the one with G uh, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. uh, is uh, uh, one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, uh, it's my third uh, favorite Batman movie, which is funny because it's the third Batman movie. It, it, it it's funny. Uh, you get into talking about superheroes. I'm and... a big. I'm kind of a superhero nerd, Larry. I like. Yeah. I like all the superhero movies. Yeah, Deadpool. Without a doubt, without hands down the best, the best of the best. Like Ryan Reynolds, at, at least the first twenty minutes of the first film. <laughs> I I think just from start to finish, first to second, they're both perfect movies, and I could not be excited more excited about the third Deadpool movie. Like I've never been this excited about a superhero trilogy. Uh, like for well, I would say the Spider-Man, uh, the Spider, the um, the the Tom Holland Spider-Man 
uh, uh, trilogy has been very good as well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds is a he's a funny dude and he's a good dude. Like you don't see that a lot in Hollywood, uh, but uh, at least like he's really good at like projecting that good dude energy, you know? Yeah. I was in a restaurant uh, where I'm living Uh and one of the waiters was wearing a uh, Venom Mm t-shirt. Now, see, this is something that people don't understand about old people, especially ones who used to be professionals. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to say things like Brahms, Beethoven. I'm supposed to say things like Peloponnesia. And here we are talking about... That's a good word. Yeah. It's easier to say than specifically. That's <laughs> um, it could have been Peloponnesia for seniors, but that's a different podcast. Uh, see, now, don't interrupt a senior because it, it just goes... <laughs> Anyhow... Uh, I said, Venom, not so much, uh, Deadpool. And the kid just looked at me. Yeah. Who and what is that? An old guy said Venom? <laughs> so. Like, y'all enjoy, like, why not? You can let your hair down and enjoy what you want to enjoy. You've, you've, you've put in your professional time. You're like, now it's time to relax and enjoy the world. And it's a... Those are good things to enjoy. And I think that's one of the problems that we have as a generation have. Um, We're expected to act like old people. There are expectations of how someone in their late 80s is supposed to act. Yeah, I'm supposed to recall the days in high school as being marvelous. I'm supposed to enjoy sitting through a three or four hour concert uh, of the magic flute. Right. The worst four hours of my life. You know, Um, it's funny, Larry, that you say that because like that's one thing that I'm also like, we also combat in improv a lot is um, like stereotypes. And one of the big ones that I fight people on specifically, (laughs) ah, I use the word uh, is, is uh, uh, age, ageism. Um, You know, you get a lot of like improv is not like improv is a predominantly younger thing. Like a lot of like younger people are into it, but also there are a lot, a lot of uh, seniors involved in improv. Uh, There just, there just are, especially in new England. Like there's a, there's a, um, they just had a big uh, festival called the vintage improv festival uh, up in Maine. And, uh, um, I used to coach a team called the Elderberry Jam that were all, they were uh, all seniors. It was all, it was a 60 plus, uh, it was a 60 plus team. And they were, they were hilarious, you know? So it's, so when I see a younger improviser go out and play a, play a grandfather and they play him like, they always play him like the guy from up, right? 
I stop the scene and I'm like, hey, that's not cool. You can't do that, right? Like you can be a grandpa. Sure, you be a grandpa, but you be a grandpa that does stuff because grandpas do stuff. Grandpas aren't just a, a, a thing, right? They're not just a, a, a caricature of Ed Asner, right? Like it, you can be like, just do it. Like don't make the age of the person the defining thing of the person right make other things that and make the age just um like an ornament on the tree right uh make it just a, a thing that adds a little something to it but doesn't focus on it right and it's amazing that you have to like obviously there are things you know like you know you gotta you you don't you, like race and things like that you have and and sexual orientation and things like that you can't like those are all things, but people don't see age as something that can can do that. But it, you know, you just we've had we've had a, a number of serious conversations on this podcast about ageism, uh, and one of the things that comes out is that we are probably our own worst enemies when it comes to that, because yeah. we tend to start behaving like we're criticizing people for making fun of us behaving like we do. Yeah. So, but you've got to, you like, you've got to like, I guess that's not a reason to not say something, right? I feel like any improviser uh, uh, over the age of 60, if they're in a group with younger people and they see them doing some BS, they just have to be like, Hey, cut it out <laughs> or no, like don't come at them like that, but you know, have the conversation be like, Hey, I noticed that you did this. And just so you know, like, that's not okay. And I'll give them a chance to be like, you know what? You're a hundred percent right. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. Now, if they're like, whatever, it's just like, then you can be like, listen, pal, Go sit down, <laughs> you know. Like, let the adults do improv. Yeah, and don't do and don't watch Venom anymore because and, and stop it's it. It's bad, <laughs> Matt. This is uh, this is. See, we we filled an hour. Yeah, it, it was okay. Not once did I say we're never going to do it. Yeah, you sort of implied it. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I was. So. I, and honestly, around the seventeen minute mark, I was like, I don't know that I'm going to have enough to say. Um, but we did it. We made it. There we go. And then we freeze. And, and then, then yeah. Uh, and then, then the electric company turns off the lights and that's about it. Matt, yeah. this was great fun. Uh, Thanks, Larry. I had a great time. Uh, come back and give more courses. Yeah. You, you, you reach out to me and let me know and I will... And I will be there. Um, that goes for anybody uh, watching the podcast. If you uh, are like, hey, uh, I'd like to bring Matt in to talk with me or my friends about improv, um, feel free uh, uh, at any point. Uh, my email is, uh, uh, I don't know, you can put it in the in the comments of the, of the podcast. Yeah, if you gave it to me. 
You didn't even do that. You, my do name that. is Matt Fear. I you like know my email. Fear. You emailed me stuff, Larry. So I, I just assumed you knew my email. Well, I know it, but they don't know it. Right, but you have to tell them. I'm not going to tell you how to do your podcast, Larry, but you need to find guests that fill out your stuff and not these a-holes that don't fill out the things that you give them to fill out. Okay, so for anybody who's interested and wants to get in touch with Matt Fear, look on the side of any good humor truck that sells ice cream Mm -hmm. sandwiches and and you'll find his email. I can't eat them as much as I used to, though, so... But that's all right. The occasional one is still good. Um, yeah, email uh, is uh, matt.fear at improvboston.com. See, I got him to tell you. Yeah. There you go. Matt, this and is. And Larry's good. phone number is, uh, f- no, 555. 1212, yeah. 1212. Matt, this has been great fun. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, Larry. Take care. Yep. If you found this podcast interesting, fun, or helpful, tell your friends and family and click on the follow or subscribe button. We'll let you know when new episodes are available. You've been listening to Specifically for Seniors. We'll talk more next time. Stay connected.